Welcome to the Write Something Worthy podcast, where we teach emerging authors how to ditch the fear, confusion, and overwhelm of writing a bestseller-worthy non-fiction book. And now, your host, Tanya Brockett. Greetings, everyone. Tanya here to talk about confusing English words that show up in our writing. At my company, Halogen Inc., we provide style sheets to our clients to help with the use of some of these words. Many times authors will consistently use the wrong word or inconsistently apply certain publishing standards. The style sheet helps us to confirm that we've dealt with that issue throughout a long manuscript and it helps our clients to see the correct forms for their next writing project. If they review their style sheet before writing in the next, uh, on their next project, then it'll help them to keep their words straight, right? Now, keeping words straight is not always easy. You know, at home, um, while playing family word games, we're consistently amazed at how fickle the English language is. <laughs> we marvel at the wacky words and, you know, why some words are spelled similarly and pronounced so different, like dose and lose. D-O-S-E and L-O-S-E are spelled very similar, but they're pronounced entirely different. Dose and lose. What's up with that? And yet, you have dove and love that are spelled similarly. D-O-V-E, L-O-V-E, and pronounced similarly as well. So these kinds of things show up in word games we play at my house all the time, and we're always joking about them. And then there are words that sound the same, but look or are spelled totally different. These are homophones like the typical two, T-O, the number two, T-W-O, and the word two, as in T-O-O. So they sound the same, but they look totally different in writing. And then there is there, T-H-E-I-R, and there, T-H-E-R-E, and there, T-H-E-Y, apostrophe R-E. I see these words used, misused a lot when editing books. So I want to point out some of these things today because you may find that these are issues for you in your own writing. Other examples of homophones include words like prey, P-R-A-Y, and prey, P-R-E-Y, as in you better pray that you don't become prey to that lion, or insure and insure. So one of them might be a healthy drink to ensure that you stay healthy, and another may offer you insurance when you pay them an arm and a leg each month. So other examples are of homophones are like flower, the plant, F-L-O-W-E-R, and flour for making bread, F-L-O-U-R, or a roll, the small bread that you made with that flour, and a roll, a part you play in a baking show, R-O-L-E versus R-O-L-L. See how crazy our language is? And there's so much to keep up with when we're writing our manuscripts. Jeez, 
So then there are words that are spelled or written the same, but sound different and have different meanings, like the homograph tear or tear, T-E-A-R. You tear it when you rip up your first draft and you shed a tear you have leaking from your eyes when you have to start all over again. Or there's lead, like in your pencil, or the way your feet feel when you have to go work out after a long day. And lead, as in to lead the industry in book sales. Or conduct, as in a symphony. Or conduct, that is unbecoming of a successful author. So all this confusion continues with words that sound and look the same. Now these are the homonyms, like pen, P-E-N, the writing implement that is mightier than the sword, and pen, a place to wallow in the mud with your pigs. Or bear, B-E-A-R, and bear, as in, I couldn't bear watching you get mauled by a bear. Or the dog bark that had the squirrel clinging to the bark of the tree. You see why we get confused when we're writing? It's like there's so many freaking weird combinations of words that look the same, sound different, spell the same, look the, wow. It's no wonder that we all, all of us writers, need to have a great editor to help us through it. Now, I did see a an article in the Business Insider that had a good way of envisioning the the three different things, the homophone, the homograph, and the homonym. And it, try to visualize this. Um, they had a two-circle Venn diagram. So you have two circles that overlap each other. The homophone is on one side, and that is the sounds the same but looks different. And then the homograph is on the other side. It writes or spells the same, but sounds different. The homonym is what is overlapped in the middle. So the homonym is, you know, those that sound and spell the same. I have an example of this diagram in the show notes. So hop on over to writesomethingworthy.com and find the show notes for episode 13 and you'll be able to see what I'm talking about here. Common confusions. So there's so many editing or grammar books and websites that have a list of commonly misspelled words and words that are commonly confused. But I thought it might be fun to share some of those most prevalent ones that we found in the millions of pages that Halogen Inc. has read over the years. Not all are homonyms or homophones, but they are all commonly confused. So, for example, let's start with complement or complementary, which is spelled with an I, versus complement and complementary that is spelled with an E. So, when it's spelled with an I, you're either making someone feel good or giving something away for free. It's a complementary treat. Um, And that could make them feel good, too. But the E spelling completes something or pairs with it. So one way you could remember this is, or remember the difference is, I 
am worthy. I am free. Otherwise, complete me with E. So the example is, she complimented me on my colorful blazer. Complimented with an I. Another example is, this chocolate complements the red wine. That compliment is spelled with an E. It pairs with or completes it. The red wine says to the chocolate, you complete me. And that uses the E. I know, that's corny. Anyway, <laughs> another commonly confused uh, set of words, this is not homophones, is uh, less versus fewer. And, you know, it's a big bugaboo for a lot of people because they go to the grocery store checkout lines that have, you know, really brought this to our attention. And they say 15 items or less. And you generally have less of something if you can't count them and fewer if you can. For example, there is less milk in that glass than I had assumed. You have fewer coins than I do. You have less stress and fewer problems than most. So that is one commonly confused set of words. Another, stationary. This is in the business world. You'll see this more often. So when you are stationary with an A, you stay in place. Envelopes, on the other hand, with an E, are considered stationary with the E. So remember, A's stay and letters have E's. That's one way to think about that. Then there's the word than versus then. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to change this in a manuscript of authors that I've worked with over the years. I've worked with hundreds of authors. I've read millions of pages of prose. So obviously I'm likely to run in to than versus then. Than is a conjunction that's used to make comparisons. I'd rather have this than that. Then is an adverb indicating time, like next or after that, etc. So it doesn't get better than this. First came love, then came marriage. Then came the baby and the baby carriage. Probably not so proper, but you get the picture. So be mindful. If you find yourself using the wrong word in the wrong case, Make note of that before you begin each writing project so that you can catch that in your work. Another really big one is your versus your. This is Y-O-U-R versus Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Your is a possessive pronoun. That is your coat. Your is a contraction of the words you are. So, if you're cold, put on your coat. Keep those things separate. I can't tell you how often, because you're thinking it, you hear the sound of it in your head when you're typing sometimes, you just use the wrong one. Or you use the first one that comes to your fingertips, or the first one that comes to mind, and it may not be the right one. Now, I want to talk about accurate typos. I know I've talked about this all the time. I've talked about it for years. 
these accurate typos, as I call them, are words that are correctly used, but they're used incorrectly in context. So one of the reasons that um, it's difficult to produce a clean manuscript without an editor is the accurate typo. These errors often jump into your manuscript without your noticing. You can see big fat little elephants hopping around on your pages and you didn't even see them get in there, right? Since they're accurate typos, they're problems that spell check can't find or alert you to. And they often remain in your manuscript unnoticed. So the hazards of homophones can come into play here too, because if you recorded your material, let's say you did an audio and then you're having it transcribed, it may sound like the right word, but it may not be the right spelling. So when I write the word, W-R-I-T-E, it better be the right word, R-I-G-H-T. Sounds the same, spelled entirely different, and mean different things. Now, have you ever seen those um, reading, those brain test kinds of things that they do on social media where you have letters and numbers that are mixed up together, but you can still uh, read the passage because the first and last letter of the words are correct? So, you know, it says that your brain can still understand even though those letters and numbers are all mixed up within the word. And that's how it is when we're reading our own manuscripts for the nth time, right? We've got to read it again. Yes, you must read it again before it goes to your editor, right? So we see what's supposed to be there, what we believe is there, whether it's there or not. So we sometimes gloss over the wrong word because we expect it to be the right word. So in my 16 years of editing millions of pages of text, some of the most prevalent accurate typos that I have found are some of what follow. I may or may not say them all, but I will list them all on the show notes so that you can see what I'm talking about. There's no particular order. But I want you to note that if these, any of these have been an issue for you, pay attention. One very common one is an, A-N versus and, A-N-D. Often mixed up. As is A versus A-N. So you have A versus an and an versus and, and those are often confused. Another one, except A-C-C-E-P-T, and except, E-X-C-E-P-T. They sound very similar, but they mean entirely different things. Chose is another word, C-H-O-S-E, and choose, C-H-O-O-S-E. So those are common errors because one has two O's and one doesn't. Excited and exited. One has a C and one doesn't. Easy to mess up those words. Ah, here's another one. From and form. From, F-R-O-M. I've mentioned this before. And form, F-O-R-M. Easy transposition. You type one 
letter in front of the other incorrectly, and now you've got a different form of the word. And spell check is saying, oh, those are spelled just right. And so <laughs> it's not going to flag it for you, right? And then it's, speaking of it, and it's. So first of all, it's, I-T apostrophe S, is a contraction for it is. So if it isn't, then it ain't. So don't use the apostrophe unless you are really trying to contract the words it is. It is not possessive. It's, I-T-S, no apostrophe, no nothing, is the possessive form of something. So if that is its own thing, then it is I-T-S. There is no apostrophe. But if it's your thing, if it is your thing, then it's and it's with an apostrophe S. That is that is one I see often in manuscripts. That's why I'm making such a big fuss over it. All right, there's also words where you leave off a letter, a double consonant. Off, <laughs> the word O-F-F, -F, and then of, O-F. So if you just have a little twitchy finger and you accidentally type two Fs, then now you're off instead of, you know, thinking of something. And then, of course, we talked about the twos and the twos and the twos. Those are always mixed up. You and your, I see that an awful lot. Forgetting to add the R, you know, this is you favorite thing. No, it's your favorite thing. People often leave off the R on the word you when they're trying to get your. And then on the other side, as I said earlier, the your versus your. The Y-O-U-R versus the Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Just think about what you're saying. If you're using a contraction, think about what it's supposed to be contracting and then see if that makes sense in the sentence that you are using. Another one, like the chose and choose. Now, what's even worse is we have lose and loose. See this an awful lot. Lose, L-O-S-E, doesn't sound like chose, whatever. The English language, what can you say? And then loose which is L-O-O-S-E, spelled like choose, <laughs> but not pronounced anywhere near the same. So anyway, loose and lose, watch your O's. There, you got that? We talked about that earlier, the there, there, and there. And whose and whose. So whose, W-H-O apostrophe S, and whose, W-H-O-S-E, often confused. The last one and the one that I see so very much because I'm working with manuscripts and books that often have front matter and back matter, the word forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D, and the word forward, F-O-R-E-W-O-R-D, are often, often confused. And that last one scares me all the time when I look in somebody, you know, a new client's previous book and I see forward in their front matter as in F-O-R-W-A-R-D. I just want to cringe or even worse if they spell it even worse and do the combination of F-O-R-E-W-A-R-D. Oh, my gosh, it's even worse. But remember, 
if you are trying to remember how to use forward in the front of your book, remember that you have someone write a word in or two before your first chapter. For word. F-O-R-E-W-O-R-D. So, I, I just had to share some of those things with you. Now, these are just things that we see all the time. You got to keep in mind the long list of homophones that might trip you up. They trip up lots of authors. So, obviously, you can't feel bad about that because obviously they wouldn't be the most commonly confused words if everybody didn't commonly confuse them. So, remember that homophones are some of those words that sound the same but are spelled different. And they have different meanings, right? And they're often not identified in your spell checkers, and you might want to keep them in mind when you're writing. I have lots of other uh, homophones and confused words that are listed in the show notes that you really ought to take a look at. So, you know, we talked about bear before with B-E-A-R, meaning two different things and sounding the same. But there's also the bear, the B-A-R-E, and the B-E-A-R that sound the same but mean two different things, right? So we've got all kinds of things. Do, D-O, and D-U-E. Uh, four and four, F-O-R versus F-O-R-E. All kinds of wonderful things that we can mix up. Oh, here's one that really sticks out oftentimes in uh, nonfiction manuscripts. The word principle, as in success principle, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E. That is the principal issue that we're addressing today. Or principle, which is P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E. P-A-L. That is when you get sent to the principal's office, right? So, remember, your principal is not your pal when you're in trouble. But you can have a principal in the success principles, and it'll have an L-E at the end. So that's one of those that is confused an awful lot. All right. So if any of the words that I mentioned and any of those words that are listed, there are a lot more of them in the show notes, make note of that. Um, You can find other lists like this of confusing words that you know you do on like um, websites. I found one on Enchanted Learning. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so that you can have them. They even have quizzes so that you can try to learn how to use them more appropriately. So... If there are words that you often confuse, use a tip that I mentioned at the top of the podcast for keeping them out of your writing. Create a style sheet and list those words that you commonly mix up and misuse on that style sheet. That style sheet is like an editorial tool with like details and decisions that you want to document for future work on a manuscript or for your writing in general. So you can pull out a style sheet for each new writing project to remind you of those words you tend to mix up. I will put a sample style sheet in the show notes also. And, you know, 
if you're really good, I'll put a fillable one in there so that you can actually, you know, type things in online while you're working on a manuscript, or you can just print it out and write them while you're working on your particular manuscript. So review your style sheet, though, um, before you write each new thing so that, you know, you can correct any of those commonly misused things that you have a tendency yourself to do. For example, if you commonly type stated, I mean, just by natural typing, sometimes typing things is where you mess up, not necessarily in the knowledge of the right word. So if you commonly type stated instead of started, because you forget the R when you're typing, then your style sheet can help you to remember those words that are a problem for you and help you to clear those errors from your manuscript later. So you can then go through your style sheet and see, ah, this is one that I need to make sure that I watch for. So then I can do a find and replace and find every occurrence of stated to make sure that I haven't omitted the R, that I did not forget the R when I was typing it. So then you can double check your own work before you submit your work to the editor. And, um, and you can also let them know what your trouble spots are so that they can support you and keep you in check, right? They can watch for that in their edit as well. One thing to keep in mind is that just because somebody else misspells a word or uses the wrong word in the wrong context, like they use forward instead of forward, um, everyone doing it wrong doesn't make it right. Just remember that. Everyone doing it wrong does not make it right. You can tweet that and, and put a link to writesomethingworthy.com on that. So check yourself or better yet, have your editor keep you in check and help you to avoid the hazards of homophones and homonyms and homographs and all those wonderful quirks of the English language that we constantly confuse. Uh, another website that is often very handy when you want to check yourself about commonly confused words or whatever is Grammar Monster. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. The thing that's important to note is that when we get into the habit of using a word incorrectly, it really takes conscious awareness to break it and maybe an editor with a style sheet. So if you know a writer who could benefit from this podcast, somebody is in your office and you keep, keep seeing the same error in their letters before they go out to the world, send them a link to this episode or send them to writesomethingworthy.com and find this episode 13, The Hazards of Homophones. Or, you know, if you'd rather just have a second pair of eyes to watch your back, you can contact me or my team at halogeninc.com. That's H-A-L-L-A-G-E-N-I-N-K.com. Before we go, let's receive our abundant author affirmation for the week. I choose and use the best words to express myself. I choose and use the best words to express myself. 
And with that, we are complete. You've been listening to the Write Something Worthy podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or email us your feedback at podcast at writesomethingworthy.com and we'll catch you next Word Worthy Wednesday. Wednesday.